just like facts have no place with an organized religion. Michael Graff. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, you have got to be kidding, sir. First you think of an idea that has already been done. And then you give it a title that nobody could possibly like. The Michael Graff Show. Hi, it's a kite, everybody. Goofballs. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. I see. Pretend nothing has happened and hope everything turns out all right in the morning. Just a thought, sir. I've considered that. Warning. The following broadcast is presented without the use of talking points, blatant hypocrisy, or Kool-Aid. You know, it's bad when this guy has to become the voice of reason. It's the return of the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Thank God we are, we're here. We are one day away from the big election. Hey, welcome in. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff show. And it is Monday, November 1st, 2010. Already into the 11th month of the year. Unbelievable how quickly we have completely just pounced through this year. It's, it's incredible. All right, contact information for the program, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name, Michael Groff Show. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. And everything else Michael Groff related can be found at the one, the only, MichaelGroff.com. And, uh, of course, while you're over there hanging out at michaelgraff.com, you can also contribute monetarily to this program. Keep us up and on the air. Donations are always appreciated. I know I say that every show, and I know that that's the part of the show that you just sort of skim over and ignore. But, in all seriousness, we could, you know, definitely use your donations. Our PayPal address is mike at kmgx.com, and certainly... Certainly would appreciate that. All right. Thank you. Yes, just one day away from You Decide 2010 and tomorrow, the big election. Lots of stuff to talk about with that. Obviously, we're going to be talking about the results tomorrow. I I am predicting a very massive, and this isn't just my prediction. This is like, I'm not really going out on a limb here, but I'm just telling you. You want to talk about change you can believe in. We're going to have massive change in Congress by this time tomorrow night. We'll be talking about... Probably in the House of Representatives, I'm going to estimate, conservatively speaking, about 55. I say at least 55 seats go to Republicans in the House tomorrow. In the Senate, I'm going to call eight Again, I, I'm I'm playing it kind of conservatively on my estimate, but that's sort of where I'm at. So I'm thinking tomorrow we're we're going to be talking about at least 55 seats in the House and maybe towards 60 uh, going to Republicans and uh, the Tea Party folks and whatnot. 
as uh, the Gallup polls are out. We, we've got to talk about that. I'm, I'm looking at them right now. If the Gallup numbers are any indication um, right now of likely voters, they took this is uh, the sample that went from October 28th through October 31st. So from Thursday through Sunday, they took a pretty large sample size, 1,539 voters in battleground states, in uh, in big states, in big uh, places, were asked if they were, what, what candidate, what party they were more likely to vote for, what particular candidate and what party, not specific candidates per se, but just what party of candidate they were more likely to vote for. Republicans were 55%, Democrats 41%. That kind of 14-point spread in a pretty good sample size like this would seem to indicate, at least to me, that we are going to have a substantial revolution uh, in the in Congress tomorrow. We are going to see some very big sweeping changes. And the Democrats that have been in power now for the last, for the better part of, uh, well, this, you know, four years, uh, they will be bounced out. And uh, the Republicans will be taking over at least the House. The Senate, I, I think, uh, some say as many as nine seats. I'm going to go with about eight. I've seen some people estimate that in... Uh, the House, as many as 67 seats will go to Republicans. I'm not going to go that far out on a limb, although I did see on the Talking Head shows over the weekend that uh, many other pundits are predicting kind of a similar result, especially when you look at these Gallup poll numbers and you see uh, the kind of uh, information that's out there. You see the, the, the trend that's out there right now. But I, I'm not willing to quite go out uh, that far on a limb. Listen, uh, anything... Anything. I don't think there's anything out there that would shock me at this point. I think that if tomorrow night at this time or on Wednesday morning when we wake up and if you saw 70 seats go to Republicans, wouldn't necessarily be surprised if you only saw about 50. One thing's for sure, there is going to be a massive pendulum swing in the House of Representatives for sure. And definitely there's going to be a few seats that are trimmed off in the Senate. And the big races to watch, and the one that I continue to watch with uh, bated breath here, is in Nevada, where Sharon Angle right now, the latest Gallup poll that I'm seeing has her up still uh, three points, though I see some places it's only one. I see another place where it's four, but whatever. We'll split the difference. We'll call it about three points. Sharon Angle, the Tea Party-backed candidate in the state of Nevada, leads Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid right now, as of tonight, as of Monday night, November 1st. So uh, that race could go either way. Now, I I've seen all the folks out there talking about the possibility of conspiracy theories and hijinks being pulled by the Democrats. Certainly the Democrats are out there stumping, but I have to tell you, the Democrats are they're, they're out there stumping and the people by and large aren't listening. Did you see this? I found this to be unbelievable. I didn't think that this was possible, but now I'm starting to wonder just how much clout, how much push Barack Obama has behind him now. This was a guy that was lauded as one of the most popular presidents of all time and change you can believe in and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And he rides in on his white horse and everybody gets all excited. But uh, get this. Barack Obama was at a big event uh, over the weekend and it was half full. Half full. The guy could not even fill up uh, a, a small venue 
Um, and about only about 50%, yeah, it was only filled to about 50% capacity. Joe Biden, the same thing happened. He appeared in the state of Delaware and he got 200 people to show up. And then he went off to Vermont, which seems very odd that he would go there. So uh, I don't know. And, and Hillary Clinton, nobody has seen or heard from Hillary Clinton in weeks. She got the hell out of the country. I don't know. They sent her off to do some secretary of state type stuff, I suppose. I'm surprised that she wasn't here, but... I guess the Obama administration, the Obama people thought uh, of her as sort of a um, polarizing figure, a galvanizing force. I don't know why anybody would see that. Compared to Obama himself, I don't see Hillary Clinton being any more galvanizing than this administration. But Obama's out there, he's stumping, and he got heckled over the weekend. Now, this is interesting, too. Obama was making a speech someplace, and not only did he get heckled, but like a bad stand-up comedian... He then responds to the heckling. He interrupts his own speech. He has to stop the teleprompter because, as you know, this guy can't speak extemporaneously. He had to stop his teleprompter, and he was actually able to speak without it, which I, I thought was great. I I'm, I'm glad that our president has the power of speech and is able to do so without the use of a teleprompter. That's wonderful. But uh, he stopped to address the hecklers. Now, the people that were heckling him we're doing so because uh, they wanted more money to be given to fighting AIDS in Africa, which is interesting because, of course, we've uh, the United States has given more money to fight AIDS in Africa than any other country. We have it's been our number one priority. Uh, it started with the Reagan administration, if we're going to be honest about it, and it was continued in the George H. W. Bush administration. Clinton threw a bunch of money at it. George W. Bush threw a bunch of money at Africa. We gave more money in the last 30 years to fighting AIDS in Africa uh, than I think we've given to our own homeless people in this country. Uh, so we've definitely given a lot of money. And these hecklers, these are people, these hecklers, these weren't people on the right. These were uh, far left, sort of extreme leftists. Uh, the same kind of people that are mad at Obama because they, they didn't get a single-payer health care system or they didn't get a public option health care system or they didn't, get, uh, they didn't get a larger welfare check or whatever the hell it is. So they, they got upset at the, at the president. So they're out there protesting the guy. And this was unbelievable. This guy's now getting heckled. We saw this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Al Gore got heckled. Joe Biden is getting heckled. There is definitely dissension among the ranks. Uh, while I was doing prep for the show this afternoon, I saw another, uh, I saw another uh, case here where there's, there are Democrats, there are people in the Democratic Party right now that are doing their best to distance themselves from the Obama administration. And they're saying, they're trying to go out there and tell people that they feel their pain about the unemployment and that they feel that this administration hasn't done enough, but you should reelect them, you should reelect you know, the Democrat in question who says this because, well, they're they're not part of the problem. They're part of the solution. And they're gonna be in there fighting for you. And they're gonna they're gonna take Obama to task and you know, you shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater and all this kind of nonsense. So that is sort of a summary of what's gone on this past weekend. But I can't believe it. Obama getting heckled, Biden out there speaking to uh to two hundred people at an event. Again, uh, the Obama people, you know, they could only fill a, uh, a place half full. And, you know, they, they, uh, the spin doctors were out there trying to tell you why. In the New York Times, uh, they wrote this weekend that, um, well, they gave a list of excuses, including the fact that it was a Sunday and that people would much rather watch football, which, 
Yeah, you know, I could see it. You'd probably rather watch football than go and uh, and listen to Obama speak, I guess. Except, how come when he was running for office, how come in 2008, uh, how th- everybody was able to show up for those rallies? And uh, earlier this year, like in September, people, some people were still going out to these things in, in, on, on a Sunday. But all of a sudden, the, the crowds are starting to dwindle and the bloom is coming off the rose. Actually, the bloom was coming off the rose over a year ago. But when we were still doing this show nightly, when we were still on the air doing the show live every night, uh, I got emails, people that said that they were Obama supporters and that they voted for the guy, and that for them, uh, the tarnish had already sort of come off. The polish was off of this thing, and that uh, they were sort of regretting having buyer's remorse over their vote. And the same thing is sort of happening now. And look, uh, you know how I feel about all this. I don't care who you are in office right now, Republican, Democrat, etc. Anybody that's in office right now, you better be afraid for your political lives tomorrow. Because if you're an incumbent, there's a good chance you could get thrown out. I'm telling you, there's going to be massive turnover in the House tomorrow. Uh, some, uh, you know, some of the Republicans are going to get tossed. Some of the, uh, many of the Democrats are going to get tossed out, and that's how it should be. Because right now, the Congress, as a, as an entire body, again, Democrat, Republican, etc., they have all done a terrible job. Uh, this nation, over the last four years, a Democrat-controlled Congress has uh, spent more money than this nation spent in its first. Well, in the period of 1776 to 1990, we talked about this on the show last week, that uh, the, the Congress, uh, this Congress in the last four years has run up more than $5 trillion in debt. Um, and that includes the last two years of the Bush administration and the first two years of the Obama administration. So it didn't matter who was in office. Uh, the Democratic-controlled Congress, the House of Representatives, who controls the budget, uh, they have spent like madmen spend like drunken sailors, and here we are, we are still paying the price. And the people of this country, by and large, they're seeing that we have this massive unemployment. They're seeing that the economy is still in the toilet. We're still seeing the devaluation of the dollar. We're still seeing all of these signs of a bad economic time, and the people are saying, all right, you said that, you know, Nancy Pelosi, when she took office, she said this this uh, 110th Congress or whatever. She said the 110th Congress, we are going to stop the deficit spending. That is exactly what she said. And guess what? We have not stopped the deficit spending. In fact, it is even more out of control than it ever has been, be it funding for the war in Afghanistan, be it funding for this health care system that we have no means to pay for. And that isn't even a good system. It's not a good system according to the Democrats. It's not a good system according to the Republicans. It's not a good system even according to the people that supported the damn thing in the first place. And yet it got passed. This is why people are upset. And this is why tomorrow is going to be a historic day. It is going to be very similar, if not even more historic in nature in terms of the number of seats that exchange hands, as it were. It's going to be more historic than 1994 when the Republicans took, what did they take, 54 seats in the House back in 1994? So this is going to be very similar to that. So stand by for that. That is, uh, that's going to be huge coming up. 
All right, um, broken that down. Obviously, we're going to talk about that tomorrow. I, I don't know about you, but I'm really sort of politicked out, if you will. I mean, I, I talk about it. I enjoy talking about it. You know that. I'm always up to dis- discuss it with anybody on email or messenger or whatever. It's just that at this point, I just want to get it over with. I just want it to be done. I'm one of those guys that, you know, after a while, you, you're done. You, you don't want to talk about it. You just want to do it. You just want to, you want to, you know, get off the crap or get off the pot, you know. So tomorrow it all comes to fruition. Uh, we will know by this time tomorrow night. As I sit here and do this show, by by 24 hours from now, we were definitely going to have, by the time many of you hear this, we're going to start to have some answers. We're going to have some things figured out as to uh, what is going to happen. But, you know, this this means, and the, the thing that does scare me about this is if we do have that massive sort of change that comes down the pike, we're going to have a lame duck session of Congress between tomorrow and Christmas. And what will the lame duck session of Congress do? What kind of damage do you think they can do in a month and a half that will take the following Congress, maybe its entire time, uh, certainly it will take the House the entire two years to undo what is done in the lame duck session of Congress tomorrow. That is what I'm afraid of, is uh, you know on their way out, what sort of FU are they going to leave for the next Congress? What sort of mess are they going to leave for the next Congress to clean up? That's what I want to know. So that is uh, certainly something to consider and certainly uh, something that, again, we're, we're going to be talking about on the show in the coming uh, days and weeks. So stick around for that. Uh, I, I'm watching these races. Uh, what's going to happen in California in the, in the um, gubernatorial race? Uh, what's going to happen with their Prop 19? What happens here in the state of Arizona? We certainly have some propositions. I have my sample ballot. Hold on. I, and over here, I, I have my sample ballot. I haven't even filled it out. Tomorrow morning, I'm waking up early. I'm going to go to the polls tomorrow at like 6 in the morning. And I'm going to fill this thing out. I'm going to have it up there. And uh, I, I, I have my sample ballot. You know, there's a lot of this sample, but I'm not even going to... I'm, my, I'm going to it's not going to take me very long to vote tomorrow. Because I, I'm telling you right now, half of the stuff that is on this ballot right here, half of the stuff that's on this thing, I'm not even going to bother with. I'm not bothering with these judges this time. I think, actually, there is one judge on here that I'm going to say a big fat no to, and I, I just forgot his name. I don't want to look through it right now. There's a judge on here that is, uh, there is no way that I am retaining this guy because I, I saw something about him. I just happened to see something about this dude um, that jogged a memory, and so uh, that's about it. So there's one judge that I have an opinion on. Um, I know who I'm voting for, obviously, for governor, for, uh, for, let's see, attorney general. Let's see. Um, da, 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 da. County attorney, rather. Let's see. For uh, representative, senator, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's several people I know who I'm voting for. Uh, quite a few. By the way, I just want to mention, quite a few. I'm voting for uh, a couple of libertarians. Surprise, surprise. Uh, there's no way I'm going to vote for John McCain. You you can just, you can take that to the bank right now. Hold on. Let me see here. Uh, uh, this is the ballot. And interestingly enough on the ballot, um, the Democrats are listed first on, on this sample ballot. I don't know if that's how it's going to be on the regular ballot that um, I'll be voting on tomorrow, but I just found that uh, to be very, very interesting. Here we go. All right. United States Senator. Here we go. 
Uh, I can either vote for this guy. I can vote for John McCain. I can vote for David Nolan, who is the libertarian candidate. The The Democrats' uh, name is, uh, that's that guy Rooney. No thanks. I'd rather vote for myself. Uh, Jerry Jocelyn. That's the Green Party guy. I wonder how, how many votes do you think that guy's going to get? I'm going to vote for David Nolan. I am not voting for John McCain. I wouldn't vote for John McCain if he were the only guy running. I would, I would do what my dad did uh, in the presidential race in 1989 or 1988. My dad wrote in Fidel Castro. My dad would not, he would not vote for, uh, he wouldn't vote for Bush and he wouldn't vote for uh, Dukakis. So my dad voted in Fidel Castro. In 1988. I didn't believe him, but he showed me. <laughs> it's like, I voted for Fidel Castro. That, uh, that, was, that was where my dad was uh, politically at the time. He was just as disgusted by the system uh, back then as I am right now. So, um, but no, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm voting for any Democrats tomorrow, but we'll see. Because everybody asks, Mike, do you ever vote for a Democrat? There are, there are times where I do. I have. I have voted for Democrats before. So just so you think, I know some of you think that I'm some conservative jackass. I'm not. Listen, I vote for the best candidate. I never vote straight party ticket. I never do any of that stuff. I, I always vote for the best candidate. And if I don't have an opinion, if I cannot honestly select a candidate, if I feel that there is not one candidate that best represents me or what I'm after, what I'm looking for, then I just abstain from voting on that particular part of the ballot. And there are many sections of this ballot where I am abstaining from voting. Like, for example, I, I don't know who I'm voting for for Corporation Commission. I, I kind of have an idea because I have read about it. I kind of have an idea, but I'm not 100% sure. And I know I've done this rant on the air before. Oh, how can you not be sure before the... Listen, it's Corporation Commission, okay? I, I must admit that when it comes to that, I, I I probably should be a little bit more vigilant on that, but um, I think I know who I'm going to vote for, but I, I'm just um, a little up in the air on that one. Yeah, school boards, I don't know who I'm voting for for school boards. Sue me. All right, and we've got a lot of other stuff to get into on the show as well. The Michael Grav Show stupid news file. There's just a lot of stuff in there. It was Halloween yesterday, so there's a lot of Halloween sort of related stories. I have some interesting thoughts. Uh, I, I got kind of sad last night. Well, I'll talk about that coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, I got a little sad on Halloween. I know this is weird. I, I, I'm. I don't know. I've had. I've definitely had a major paradigm shift in my life. I, I, I've definitely changed. I've done a complete 180 on an issue, and I have to talk about that coming up. Um, also, we got to take a look at the pop chart. Hey, why not? It's a new week, so we'll take a look at what's happening in the world of pop music, and um, who knows? What else? There's just anything that could happen. You know what it is. It's the one, the only Michael Groff Show, and we'll be back. It's the torturous journey through the mind of a madman. Prove to yourself what scientific tests prove. You're listening to The Michael Groff Show.
the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Monday, November 1st, 2010. One day away from the big midterm election 2010, folks. KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX. That's also Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for your monetary contributions to this program. AOL Instant Messenger. Our screen name is Michael Groff Show. And of course, you can always find us on um, well at MichaelGroff.com. The one, the only MichaelGroff.com. Our chat channel is there, and everything else. So. You know how that works. I believe I need a beer. It's hard to even imagine that the San Francisco Giants are the World Series champions. That is... Uh, I didn't even think they were going to make the playoffs. And then at the beginning of the playoffs, I didn't give them much of a chance. They had the best pitching, clearly, in the playoffs. But, boy, even at the beginning of this series against the Rangers, it, you know, the, the old uh, rule of pitching and defense really is, that's the rule. And uh, how about Edgar Renteria, the big three-run homer in this game tonight? Had two home runs in the World Series. Had a, he had some big hits. This is just an interesting note before I get on to everything else I wanted to talk about. Guess who wants to come back to Major League Baseball? Not as a player, but as a coach, as a mentor. Guess who wants to come back? Baroid Bonds. Yes, Baroid Bonds wants to come back to Major League Baseball. You know, after he tried to get back into the game as a player and nobody wanted to touch him because of, I don't know, the grand jury investigation, the fact that he was a cheater, that he did roids. Nobody was interested in bringing him back for that. But now he wants to come back and maybe be a part of the Giants organization as a coach or as somebody else as a coach. Look, people were willing to accept Mark McGuire, even though he cheated. The, the people in St. Louis, they were fine with that. Uh, but I think, generally speaking, baseball fans have sort of had enough with Baroid's act. Not a lot of people got behind him. Some did, but for the most part, people weren't really all that interested in what Baroid had to say. So you know what? You can get out of this. Uh, you can get out of here and um, take your roids with you. Don't let the door hit you with a good Lord split you. All right. Thank you. Baroid. What a joke. So last night was Halloween, and we had the big, uh, big celebration. You know, all the kids come by. Uh, in my neighborhood, you get about 30 or 40 kids or so sometimes. I mean, sometimes we hardly get any. Last night, we, we got them all sort of in a big group, like this barrage of kids that basically all came at once. And then a, a couple here, you know, beforehand, like at, before sunset, and a couple kind of late, a couple of stragglers. But, you know, most of them all came at once. But I got to tell you something. Halloween just really brings out this weird paradigm shift that's been going on with me lately. Um, for like the last year or two, I've definitely had a complete 180 in how I think. 
Now, those people that know me personally, or if you've listened to this show for a long time and therefore you somewhat know me personally, people know that I'm, well, I've been accused of being just a little bit stubborn. And uh, yeah, you can try and stifle your laughter so you can listen to the rest of what I have to say. I've been accused of being a little bit stubborn over the years. And uh, so I, I am kind of like a continent. I, I move very, very slowly. I drift very slowly. I evolve and change in my feelings and beliefs very slowly, which is precisely why this is especially weird to me. It's interesting. I was going through some archives of old shows. I was going through some stuff from like 2000, 2001, 2002, some old stuff that I wanted to post on the site eventually. So I found a rant that I did from maybe 2000 or 2001 where I'm talking on the show about absolutely no way do I ever want to have kids. And, you know, that's just not something that I, I, I'm interested in at all, blah, blah, blah. You know, I go on this really long diatribe and I sat there and I thought about it. And then last night I, I'm, I, I go and I'm handing out candy and this mother and father come to the door and they have their little kid. And I got to tell you, this is the cutest little kid I've ever it was just, I mean, it's adorable, you know? And uh, the kid was in, I don't even know what the hell kind of costume it was, uh, Cinderella or some crap. I, I'm, I don't even know. I, I'm just, I was focused on, like, it just hit me all of a sudden. Um, I've been really having this paradigm shift for like um, the last year or so. And I'm standing there last night and I'm handing out candy to this little girl and, I, and I'm talking to these parents and stuff. And I get really sad because I, I sort of think, gee, you know, I'd really like to have that. I'd really like to have a wife and a child, have a nice family, and I'd love to have that moment. You know, I got really, I don't want to say jealous. It was just one of those things I felt sad because I don't know if I'll ever have that. I want that. You know, I'm really trying to angle my life in a direction where hopefully I, I can have that someday where I have uh, a little child and, and we go out, you know, the, the wife and I, we'd go out, we'd take the kid out for the first, uh, for the, for the first, their first Halloween, you know, when they're two, three, four, five years old, whatever the hell. And, um, I don't know. I, I just got really sentimental about it. I got really kind of sad. It, it was strange. Um, I don't know. It's strange, especially for me, because I'm not one of these people. It's not a knee jerk thing. Don't get me wrong. This is something that's been evolving in my mind for like the last year or two years. Um, I mean, it started many years ago when I was at a baseball game and I saw a father and a son. And I talked about that on the air and I went, you know, maybe I think about that from time to time. Maybe it'd be nice to have a cute son, you know, bring him to a ball game. And then usually what happens is I wind up going to a restaurant or I get on a plane and I have a kid that screams next to me in my ear for an hour and throws up on me. And then I go, ah, I don't want kids. But you know, it's, it's strange. I, I've really been, my, my, um, my needle has definitely moved toward, it's gone from 99.9% .9 against having kids to like 99.9% .9 pro having a kid. Um, I'm never really 100% on anything. I always like to have my little wiggle room. I, I always like to, I, I, I'm, it's very hard for me to be completely 100% into any one idea solely. But I have to tell you, I, I've really, I've done it. I mean, that last night, that was it, man. I, um, I've gone full circle on this. I have gone, well, not full circle, but I've gone the full half circle. Let's put it that way. I've done the 180, okay? I've flipped on this idea entirely. 
And it's taken me all of about a year to totally turn on this. You know, and uh, I just, I thought about it and I said, gee, you know, I'd love to be there with a, a wife and a kid and taking the kid out and going trick-or-treating and doing all those things that uh, a, a father and mother do. And, and um, you know, and, and the bonding of, of being with a significant other and all of that, the building of the family and the togetherness and the love and all that stuff. I got really sentimental about it last night. I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm getting not weepy about it, but I'm just sitting here thinking about it and I'm going, wow, I, I can't believe I'm thinking about this right now, Halloween. You know, then I turn and I start stuffing my face with candy, if hoping, and I, you know, and I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe that'll change it. No, that, that really didn't change my mind. I, I have to tell you, I'm... I, uh, I I really feel that that is something that I really want in my life, and uh, I don't I don't think it's purely an emotional response. It's something that is it's crept up on me in the last year or two, and now I sit here and I evaluate it, and I go, that is that's something that I really want in my life. It's um, you know, and I, I I hope that I I can have it, and and if I can't, that would be really sad. You know, I've always wanted to have a wife. And I've always wanted to have a, you know, somebody, a significant other, somebody that's there for you your entire life. I did that whole rap on the show right after my dad died. And I said, you know, I don't want to be the guy that is, you know, on my deathbed all by myself and I don't have anybody there and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I you remember that. Uh, any of you who were long, long time listeners to the show, you remember that whole rap. So I, I don't know. I, I just felt really uh, that kind of sadness. And then this is indirectly related, but I got this, uh, I saw this in my email and a, a listener sent this to me and I, I have lots of uh, email and messages that I've been wanting to read on the show and I just haven't gotten around to reading them. And believe me, I am going to read and I am going to respond to all of your emails and messages that people have left me. There is, I, I have a very big pet peeve about sending people messages and then they don't respond. It really bothers me. I send people messages and emails all the time and then when I don't get a response, it pisses me off. So the last thing I'm going to do is ignore yours. So uh, let me see if I can find this guy's email here. I, I, I actually printed it out because I wanted to have it uh, in hard copy form as well. Naturally, uh, naturally when I want to find something, well, I'm doing a show. That's when I can't. Here it is. This is from Ed. He says, um, Dear Mike, sorry to hear you didn't get the job in Florida. I could hear how excited you were and then how bummed you were when it didn't go through. All I can tell you is what your show means to one listener out here on the web that enjoys the podcasts. I found your show about three years ago while working on the graveyard shift on internet radio while listening to the comedy channel. And your daily show was replayed. I looked forward to the show and found KMGX and started listening to the live show until it ended when your equipment went to hell and began watching for updates on a regular basis and was thrilled you were back on the air even though it was in podcast mode and in exile. Each day when I want something on the radio to catch up on, current events, and a few laughs, your site is the first place I go. When I see a new podcast is up, I'm there. Who knows why you can't get a gig? I know if you were on terrestrial radio, I'd be a daily listener. I used to run hotels for a living, and now I'm in my mid-50s. And just work as a clerk and auditor. 
I cannot put up with all the BS to keep my job and one day told the owners to shove it and kiss the 33-year career goodbye. If I had it to do all over again, I would have added F you. He actually writes out the whole thing on the way out the door. And not to mention, I was, sing- I was a single dad raising three kids alone, but I did make it somehow. But that part of my life is still a blur. I had to put a lot of bad feelings aside and move on. That took a long time. Yes, I now only make a fraction of what I did, but my life has little chaos and I can be who I am and not who someone else wants me to be. If money is the only goal, it might not be as worth it when you get it. Just follow your dream. I know you've heard this a thousand times. Someone will hear your podcast and like what you have to offer and give you that break. It may be true that what they say, when you quit looking for what you really want, it comes to you. I'm a very loyal listener and hope all goes well with your choices. And if you sell off the equipment and do something else, I just want to say thank you for the listening enjoyment you brought me and hope whatever you choose will bring you happiness. Yours truly, Ed from Tacoma, Washington. It's a very, very nice email. Thank you for that, Ed. And uh, so far, I'm not quitting my podcast and selling all my radio equipment for, uh, for a few bucks. I haven't, I'm not doing that. Um, actually, it's interesting. He, he, I, I saw that and I read that. And it's because of that. It's, it's because of people like that. And I've gotten some other stuff and I, I want to read some other things. I just don't want to spend the entire podcast just reading all that stuff. But I, I do intend to actually personally respond to that as well. Radio is something that I've always wanted to do. It's what I've wanted to do since I was two years old. I mentioned this on the show the other day. It's just what I've built my entire life around. I've, I've always known that I wanted to do broadcasting. And this, in a sense, is broadcasting. It's not what I dreamed. It's not what I envisioned. It is, in a sense, the future of radio. It's just not the present of radio. Uh, I've been doing internet broadcasting for over 10 years now, um, almost 11 years. And ever since I've been doing it, you know, it's, it's been slowly building and slowly growing. And this is sort of the future. This is sort of the direction that radio is going to be heading. This and satellite radio and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's, that's where it's going to be. And this, I guess that is part of the dream. The only other part of the dream that I have is what I saw last night. And that's to have a, a wife and, and kids and, and, you know, I don't need millions of dollars. Uh, believe me, I would take it if I got it. I would certainly not complain, but I'm not there to have a pie in the sky, Pollyanna dream of millions and millions of dollars and houses all over the world and all that kind of stuff and the lavish lifestyle. That's not who I am. I'm, I'm a relatively simple person with relatively simple needs. I need what Sigmund Freud always talked about, love and work. Those are the two basic paradigms of life. And in that order, by the way, love and work. And um, each one has its importance to me. Each one has its value. This podcast has its value to me. Uh, Being able to divest myself of what's on my chest like I'm doing right now, that certainly has a value. Um, Doing it hopefully for money would also have some value. Um, but I have to tell you that um, the, the other aspect, the love, the family aspect, that's also very important to me. And it always has been. And so 
you know, when I when I get an email like that, it's it's very very sweet. It's very nice. I I really appreciate that, Ed. And I've gotten other uh, messages in that very same vein, and I do intend to read some of those on the air. I also got a very mean-spirited one, and I, I know I've been teasing you with that, and I'm going to read it. I promise I will. Um, I don't know. I just don't want to break the mood right now. It's kind of a nice, it's kind of a nice loving mood now. <laughs> so I, I don't want to break it with, with what this guy wrote. I, some, some guy basically wrote me a novel of why I suck. And it's, it's not even the same one that wrote me last month and told me why I suck, but this is another one. I didn't even read, I've gotten a couple of these and I haven't even read them on the air. So maybe I ought to do that too. So tomorrow, the big election day, I'm going to be getting up early, going to the polls, as I mentioned. It's so important. You know, this, this election, this is really going to be a game changer. And I really wonder how the American people are going to respond. But with the unemployment being what it is and with the economy being what it is, here's a weird story. You talk about the economy and the unemployment. Now, some unemployment offices are actually going to be staffed with guards. They're actually going to put armed guards at unemployment offices. Armed security guards will be on hand at 36 Indianapolis unemployment offices, uh, actually unemployment offices all around the state of Indiana. In what state officials said is a step to improve safety and make branch security more consistent. No specific incidents prompted the action, according to the Department of Workforce Development spokesman Mark Lauder. Uh, he said the agency is merely being cautious with the approach of an early December deadline when thousands of Indiana residents could see their unemployment benefits end after exhausting the maximum 99 weeks provided through multiple federal extension periods. This is going to be a, uh, a big thing now. You're going to pro probably see this in unemployment offices across the country. They're going to have armed security guards because people can't control themselves, or at least that's what they think. People are going to start getting desperate. They're going to get angry. They're going to go down to these unemployment offices. They're going to start raising hell. They, maybe they go down there and punch somebody in the face. It'll be like the, the DMV all over again. <laughs> Well, that's that's what happens. I've been at the DMV. Let me tell you something. That's where they ought to have the armed guards. Never mind the unemployment office. Somebody loses their job and can't get their extension. That's not the place I'd be worried about it. I had to get a, an ID about seven years ago. I got my ID card at the Arizona DMV, one of the DMV locations in Phoenix. And you, it's the same process for a driver's license, obviously without the test, but you still need to sit there and wait. So while I'm sitting there waiting, I, somebody else goes up there. They lost their license because of a DUI or something. They're trying to apply to get it back. This, this guy, he's arguing with one of the DMV workers. Then she just goes, well, I'm going to go on break. I'll be right back. She, he's like, you're going to go on break. No, you got to help me with this. And she's like, no, I'm going to go take a break. And they get into a whole like tay-to-tay -tay right there, okay? They're, they're getting into it right there. I thought it was going to come to blows like like they're right in each other's faces and they're just like yelling at each other. And it was such an uncomfortable moment. And that's not even that's not the only incident I saw while I was at the DMV on that particular day. I've been at the DMV a couple times. Once I was just hanging out with one of my friends waiting for him to get something. And I've seen people just get furious with those folks. That's where I'd put the armed guards. Never mind the unemployment offices. That's going to be a whole other situation. Unemployment offices don't need security guards. You know what unemployment offices need? They just need money so they can get, 
give to people who are unemployed. This whole notion that uh, we're going to keep them on the unemployment for 99 weeks is ridiculous. There's not any jobs. I don't know what people are supposed to do after 99 weeks. And if anybody says to me, well, they should go and get a job. Well, then I'll say, okay, yes. Why don't we just have them all relocate to India or China or Mexico, which is where all the jobs went. You know, I was watching 60 Minutes last night. I actually caught a little bit of 60 Minutes. And 60 Minutes is talking about how um, there's, a, there's a town where all the Maytag washers and dryers are made. You know, all the Maytag products, dishwashers, all the appliances, Maytag, you know. And uh, Maytag is all, they've, they've completely closed this town down basically because the Maytag plant or one of the big Maytag uh, factories was in this town. They sent it all to Mexico and overseas. So other countries now are where anything Maytag is basically made. And here in the United States, that's all out the window. Jobs are just going by the wayside, left and right. There are not jobs to be had. So I don't know how somebody's supposed to get off this unemployment. Now, if you want to start creating jobs in this country, well, that requires, speaking of paradigm shifts, that requires a major paradigm shift. You have to start giving businesses incentives to actually have their jobs here and not take them overseas. And when Democrats start talking about, oh, well, we're going to increase taxes, we're going to roll back the tax cuts, uh, we're going to stop all these corporate loopholes. Well, when you start doing that, a company just goes, well, fine, then I just won't play ball in the United States. I'll just take my business and I'll uproot it and I'll take it to China. I'll take it to India. I'll take it to Mexico. I'll take it to wherever I can go so that I can have my company and I can make it work at the lowest possible price, at the greatest amount of profit. Because that's what it is. It's about dollars and cents. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. That's how the business world works. It's time for people to wake up and, and catch up to the reality here. So it was so sad when I see stuff like that. And then I see this unemployment and then I see that this is, what's, this is what this is all about tomorrow. This election tomorrow is a referendum on what the people think of the last four years which includes the last four years of a Democratic-controlled Congress. Two of those years were a Republican White House. Two of those years, a Democrat White House. But the bottom line is, it's what people think of the direction that, pe that this country is going. That is what tomorrow's vote is all about. It's a mandate on what the people believe is the direction of this country and what direction this country should go in. If they decide to retain Democrats, then that means they want the status quo. If they decide to go Republicans, then they want to go a different direction. Now, I'm not saying Republicans are the answer, by the way. Don't get me wrong. Because, quite frankly, it was the Republicans, particularly in the six years from 2000 to 2006, that spent an insane amount of money, just an insane amount, and now we're going to put our faith back in these people to right the ship that the Democrats have wronged, that have made it a derelict ship just floating through the doldrums. The problem is the Republicans screwed us as well. So I don't know how you're going to expect those people to do. Now, this is a this is a new group of them. You got some of these Tea Party guys in there who supposedly want to stop the spending. And then you have some of these rookie sort of newbie Republicans that are coming in there 
in some of these races and maybe they'll be different and maybe they'll make some corrections and maybe the ship will get turned around and maybe things will start to work out right. Let's hope so for the good of the country, for God's sake. And the problem is if things do start to turn around and they do go well, you know who's the first guy that's going to take all the credit for it? Obama. You know he's going to be the first guy to take all the credit, even though right now he is, he's, He's trying his best to blame Republicans for this mess. But, you know, people aren't buying that anymore. People aren't buying this idea that, oh, you know, I inherited this and that. People aren't buying it. They're saying, look, now you've had 18 or 19 months to sort of uh, get this all straightened out and you haven't done it. We're only buying the whole it's Bush's fault excuse for so long now. People are starting to say, look, uh, maybe maybe it's not just his fault. Maybe it's yours, too. Maybe it's time you start admitting some of your failures, and this president absolutely can't do that. He's too busy going on The Daily Show and having golfing outings and having John, uh, Paul McCartney uh, over to, uh, to the White House and being the celebrity-in-chief. He's too busy doing all of that to actually be the president of the United States. Oh, sure, he's going out and making some speeches and getting on the teleprompter and then being heckled by people and filling up places only half full. Sure, he's out there doing that, too. But I'm just wondering, when, when are all these great policies and all this change? I'm wondering when it's all coming, because right now we're just snowballing here. And that's a problem. You, know, you got a guy uh, like this guy that, that emailed me, you know, that guy, he's struggling. You got me, I'm struggling. Girlfriend is struggling. Everybody's struggling. It's hard to find people that aren't. I know one, only one of my friends is actually doing well financially. I, I can think of one guy I know that's doing quite well. He's, he's knocking on the door of making six figures. I know one guy that's in that position. I know a couple of other people that are, that are doing okay. I know my mom is doing okay at her job. She's doing fine. But generally speaking, most people I know, and I realize that this is just anecdotal evidence, but most people I know are struggling and they're struggling badly. And these are people that are very capable of working and that want to work just like me. We're not just lazy slobs that are just going to sit here. We're not trying to just sit here and collect unemployment or trying to collect anything. No, we are actually wanting to go out and work. We're wanting to go out and make an honest buck. Some of us have a lot of qualifications and a, and a, and a, a I hate to use the term, a unique skill set. A lot of us have skill sets. We're able to go out and work. We're able to go out and do things. We just can't because there aren't any jobs to be had. A lot of these companies now uh, that are hiring back, they're, they're hiring people back, but they want them to have even more degrees or they, or they want them to do like 42 things at once. They want them to do things that they use, used to hire three people to do. So that's why the unemployment rate continues where it's at. It's at about 10%. And then when you factor in the underemployed, the people that are not working full-time, they're only getting part-time work and they have to take up multiple part-time jobs. When you factor that, it's, it's like double and again, we throw this statistic out on the air all the time. Right now, for every job that's available in the market, there are five people looking for a job. So there's five people out there for every one job available. That's a terrible ratio. That's a ratio that is Great Depression worthy. Even if you disagree with this statement, you have to understand that that is what Barack Obama and the Democrats have to deal with. They're the party that's in charge right now, and the economy is still bad. So even if 
you think that it's not really their fault, the, the American people are going to have a different opinion. And tomorrow's vote is going to be a referendum on that. Make no mistake about it. All right, uh, a few other things here I got to get to. Uh, we got to do the Michael Graff Show stupid news file. Got to talk about, uh, oh, it looks like there could be a cure for the common cold. Well, stop me if you've heard that before. That's, that's kind of just a regular story. We get that all the time. But now uh, the Brits really say, they say, now really this time for sure, yes, I say, we've come up with a cure for the common cold, sir. Yes, I say, this is corking, as a matter of fact. This is quite sporting of a thing. <laughs> Naturally, John. So they say they have a uh, cure for the common cold. We'll get to that. Plus, we've got to take a look at the pop chart and still so much more to do. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show back in a moment. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. Final segment of the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show on a Monday, November 1st, 2010. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's also the PayPal address for this program. For your most generous monetary contributions, once again, PayPal address, Mike at KMGX.com. Thank you. Plugola. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. If you want to send us a message available to you, 24-7, 365, Michael Groff Show. I do respond to all the messages I get. Uh, we're also on Facebook. We're also on uh, everywhere else. So, michaelgroff.com for everything else. Michael Groff related. Yeah. Some British researchers say that they may have a cure for the common cold. Now, maybe I'm being a little cynical about this. <laughs> Imagine that. But I'm thinking that maybe this isn't a good idea to have a cure for the common cold. Only because my thought on this is that once we come up with a cure for the common cold, you know how we have a super strain of flu now that we're worried about uh, this, uh, this flu vaccine not working. And so every year we have to come up with a new flu vaccine and now we have these super resilient strains of the flu and we have all these other bacteria that are super uh resilient they're they're able to resist all these uh all these vaccines and all these uh antibiotics and everything else that we have so i'm just sort of thinking now if we start doing that to the common cold what kind of thing is going to happen to our immune systems because just checking this out this uh this is uh they call it a dramatic breakthrough 
which could affect millions of lives. They say scientists have been able to show for the first time that the body's immune defenses can destroy the common cold virus after it has actually invaded the inner, invaded the inner sanctum of a human cell, a feat that they believed was previously thought to be impossible. A discovery opens the door to development of a new class of antiviral drugs that work by enhancing this natural virus-killing machinery of the cell. Scientists believe that the first clinical trials of the new drug based on the findings could begin within two to five years. The researchers said that many other viruses responsible for a range of diseases could also be targeted by the new approach. They include... The norovirus, which uh, causes uh, winter vomiting, and rotavirus, which results in severe diarrhea and kills thousands of children in developing countries. Viruses are still mankind's biggest killers responsible for twice as many deaths as cancer, essentially because they can get inside cells where they can hide away from the body's immune defenses and the powerful antibiotic drugs that have proved uh, invaluable against bacterial infections. Now, again, I'm not saying that uh, antibiotics are bad. I'm not saying that pharmaceuticals necessarily are bad, although if you talk to me any for any length of time, you know that I'm not a big fan of taking pharmaceuticals. It's just that I have to tell you that when you come up with these magical pills and all these cures and these vaccines and everything. I just wonder if we don't build up super strains of these viruses. And then I start to think about, well, gee, what happens when we do come up with these, uh, these resistant bacteria and these resistant viruses, and then they get inside and then our own immune systems can't even fight them. They don't even need to hide in cells anymore. They don't need to protect themselves because our uh, body won't be able to kill them. Look, I- I'm not, I didn't go to medical school. I don't claim to know anything about I'm just telling you that I do know that we do have super resilient strains of the flu and uh, resistant strains, uh, resistant types of bacteria. And, uh, well, it-, it happens. Oh, one other thing here. I have to mention this. This is kind of funny. So the National Enquirer's publisher is apparently uh, going bankrupt. American Media Incorporated plans to seek federal bankruptcy protection in the next two weeks or so. A privately held company based in uh, Boca Raton, Florida, announced its uh, intention Monday without sharing any details about its finances. Well, maybe some tabloid should look into what it's up to. Some tabloid should uncover its Chapter 11 filing. Choirer always wanting to sniff around at everybody else's business. What? Uh, so you guys couldn't keep selling those uh, those rags off the shelf with images of UFOs and Elvis and uh, all that other crap and black helicopters and all the other nonsense that's in there and all that celebrity gossip. You know that Paris Hilton is secretly from another planet, from the planet of Dumtron, and she's come here to try and steal all of our IQ points. Well, giving us all herpes or something like that. It, it, you're, that's the kind of stuff that uh, it, it, you're, you're not able to sell that anymore. People aren't really buying that stuff. 
And here I thought, even in this bad economy, that people would still have enough discretionary income to still buy the National Enquirer. You know, I'm very proud to say I've never actually read anything in the National Enquirer. I know we've talked about stuff that's been in there on the show before, and we've probably read some excerpts, but I've never actually picked up that piece of crap and, uh, and read it. I've seen the cover a million times while waiting in line at a grocery store, just like The Globe and all those other ones. You know, I've seen all those gossip rags. I mean, it's bad enough that we have those shows on TV as it is. It's bad enough that we had Entertainment Tonight and Hard Copy, which, of course, doesn't exist anymore. Uh, what was another one of those magazine shows? A Current Affair. There's been like a zillion of them. Now, of course, we have TMZ. And TMZ is terrible. What a horrible show. I can't believe that people actually sit down, watch that and go, you know, I'm really interested what Ben Affleck is up to these days. And I, I really hope they tell me what he was doing. Like, I hope that they tell me what he, what he ordered from a drive-thru at a Wendy's. I'm really interested in that. Can, can you imagine somebody's really interested in what celebrities are up to at every second? I know I'm not. I don't care. They had $1.1 billion in debt as of December 2008. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The publisher of the National Enquirer has $1.1 billion. That would be with a B. $1.1 billion in debt. The company reached an agreement with its major bondholders in July to reduce the debt by $200 million. How the hell, you know, I don't even want to get into, I don't even want to explore it. I don't care. Well, let me just, you know what? On that sour note, maybe we ought to do this. Uh, let's, let's just do it. Let's go to the pop chart. Let's see. This will cheer me up. It's that time of the week, folks, where we take a look at the top 10 most played songs. In the world of pop music. Top 40 radio, folks. These are the 10 most played songs on top 40 radio stations across the country based on official airplay data. Here's the, uh, these are the 10 most played songs on the, on radio stations. And believe me, all of these songs are played way too much. All right, at number 10 this week, it's Pink. She's back on the chart. She has a new song out. This, this is called Raise Your Glass. Apparently with a British accent now.
Teenage Dreams. She sounds like this sounds like Katy Perry. All right, so all these songs uh, continue to sound the same. That's good. At number nine, it's Neon Trees. This is a song called Animal. And people do ask me, this got 46 spins. This averages 46 spins a week on top 40 stations. This is the guy that talks like Elmer Fudd. Here we go again. He's a fwade. That's uh, the number nine song, and that would be uh, Neon Trees and their song Animal. At number eight, it's Tyle Cruz with Dynamite. All right, meanwhile, yeah. They either sound like that or they sound like pink. You know, th- there's there's two classifications of songs. There's there's the female and then there's the male. And the female is a little bit more dancey and they all sound like Katy Perry. And then the male all sound like, well, this, Florida at number seven with Club Can't Even Handle It. Number six. Oh, speak of the devil. Look who's on the chart. Here it is. The number six song in the nation. It is Katy Perry with Teenage Dream. Now pay attention to how close this sounds to that uh, pink song. Here we go. This is the exact same song as that pink song. Oh, where's that pink song at? All right. This is, let's see, Ray's. All right. This is the exact same song here. I'm going to play. Just keep that in mind. Here's the pink song. All right, here we go. It's the same song. I'm sorry, it is. It's totally the same. Far East Movement is at number five with Like a G6. Like a blizzard. 
Number four, it's Rihanna with Only Girl in the World. DJ got us falling in love. It's Usher at number three. This plays 78.5 times a week on top 40 radio stations. Basically, every, just a little under every, or a little over every two hours. At number two, it's Nelly with Just a Dream. And for the seemingly forever, this song has been number one on the pro- on the pop chart. It's uh, Bruno Mars with "Just the Way You Are." Somehow, this song is still the most popular song in the country, averaging. Let me see here. Let me look this up. Averaging 86.5 spins per week on stations. I can't imagine why terrestrial radio is not doing well. I still can't figure it out. They play this song over 80 times a week and and people are are tuning out. How is that possible? And for those of you that sit there and, and, and you write me and you defend terrestrial radio... And you say, oh, no, Mike, it's still fine. Hey, go ahead and read the Scarborough Report. And look at who's listening to radio. It's like people that are too poor to buy iPods. Yeah, I could see why this is worth playing 86.5 times a week. All right. This is uh, this is classic. This is from... Uh, well, I'll, I'll let you have an opportunity to actually guess what state this is from. And I'll even, I'll even narrow one down for you. No, this story, I know you would immediately, once I start reading this to you, you'll, you'll immediately think it's from Florida. No, this is not from Florida. For once, it's a story about an insane person not from Florida or California. Here you go. 
A 39-year-old woman faces charges that she twice exposed herself at major intersections over the last 10 days. An arrest warrant issued Friday states that Lynette Mary Layton, whose address was unknown, stood naked in front of a man and uh, also passing traffic at Glenwood Avenue and Leadmine Road. Yes, folks, this comes to us from no place else but North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm not even going to play the banjos. This story isn't even worth the banjos. Raleigh police arrest records show that uh, Layton was also charged with indecent exposure. Uh, an incident at uh, Wake Forest and Six Forks Roads on October 19th. So this woman is trying for the trifecta. She's already been arrested once. This is the second time she's been out there exposing herself. So all she has to do is one more time. Layton was charged with indecent exposure in the Friday incident and uh, placed in the Wake County Jail under a $500 secured bond. So you have to love when a woman goes out and exposes herself. Now, of course, why would I even bring this story up? Well, because, number one, it's unusual that a woman is going out and doing this sort of thing. So now, the next question you have to ask yourself is... Next question you have to ask yourself is... Is the woman hot? Well, I happen to have a picture I'm, I'm looking at right now in front of me about this woman. And the answer is, of course, hell no. Guys that go out and expose themselves, it's never a guy that you want to see. And of course, it's never a guy that should be exposing themselves because they've got, you know, they, they just have really small penises. It, you know, guys with great big ones, see, those are the guys... Those are the people that should be running out and exposing themselves. You know, if you're walking around with like, you know, you, you got a big old fire hose in your pants, maybe you ought to go out and show that off. I mean, why not? I'm sure most people would, would stop to admire it. I'm sure it'd be okay. But of course, when a guy goes out and exposes himself, he's always the creepiest looking guy ever. And of course, immediately somebody will point him out and say, oh yeah, that's that guy looks like a pedophile or that guy looks like the kind of guy that would expose himself in front of an elementary school or whatever the case. And in this particular instance, it's a woman that's exposing herself, but she looks, this homely does not describe it. If you saw this woman, you would say immediately either A, drug addict, B, nuts, or C, is the type of person that would do something insane like expose herself, which sort of falls into the nuts category. But see, that's a different kind of nuts. Totally insane. And more of the Michael Groff Show's stupid news file. Hey, why not? Uh, this comes from Atlanta. This is not just stupid news, but kind of tragic. And I want to, first of all, I I'm going to preface this story by saying I don't condone this type of behavior. So I don't think the perpetrator of this particular crime was in the right. However, I understand why they did it. Atlanta police say that uh, a Halloween prank may have cost a teenager his life. Police said that the incident began Sunday night at about 8 p.m. at the intersection of Joseph E. Boone Boulevard and Joseph E. Lowry Boulevard. I'll stop right there. How stupid is that? I thought Jacksonville had stupid names for their streets. This... Can you imagine you're you're in a city and that's got to be confusing. There's a Joseph E. Boone Boulevard and a Joseph E. Lowry Boulevard. 
probably a Joseph E. Smith Boulevard, a Joseph E. Benson Boulevard, all these other things. Anyway, police said that a teen threw an egg at someone's car and the driver drove away. But then they say that the driver, then he returned to the scene with a gun. Quote, it appears the victim in this case was standing at an intersection when the suspect approached him, produced a handgun and discharged the weapon at least 10 times striking the victim, said Major Ken Meadows of the Atlanta Police Department. The Fulton County Medical Examiner's Office identified the victim as 17-year-old Tavares Irving of Union City. Irving's aunt, Marika Cloud, told Channel 2's Tom Jones that she didn't think Irving was even behind the, uh, the prank. Quote, he didn't throw the eggs. Someone else threw the eggs, she told Jones. For years, that's been the biggest prank. When you get too old for, uh, for candy, you throw eggs. And now it's guns. So anyway, that's uh, sort of what happened. They believe that the suspect, uh, the guy uh, that shot him, the shooter, was a black male in his late teens or early 20s wearing, wearing a red M&M jacket. Police said that the gunman was driving a gold four-door Mercedes with a red uh, temporary tag. Now, I just want to say something. It's a very tragic story. It's a terrible thing, and that is very unfortunate that that would happen. However, I can understand why a guy who just had an egg thrown at his car would react in that way. Again, I don't condone it. It is totally wrong. I would never do something like that myself. But how stupid do you have to be to throw an egg at someone's car, especially in, in today's society? I don't know. People are insane. If you even look at someone cockeyed, you're likely to get shot. This guy got shot 10 times because he threw an egg at someone's car. And maybe it wasn't even this guy that threw the egg in the first place. I'm telling you, man, people are absolutely insane. And you threw... I'm t- if I was driving around in a Mercedes and someone threw an egg at my Mercedes, I might shoot him as well. So weird. I had a conversation about this uh, the other day. And, and I said, you know, uh, if someone egged my house, if, if someone started throwing eggs at my house, I'm liable to run out with my shotgun. Yeah, I might not shoot him. But the fact that I'd even run out there with my shotgun in the first place, I know that they would get the hell out of there and they would never egg somebody's house again. See, I wouldn't even have to shoot him. They would know never to throw an egg at someone's house again because the next time you do it, uh, someone might just very well, you might get shot, you might get plunked. So again, I don't condone this action. I, I can't say it enough. I think it's wrong and I hope that the guy that uh, shot this kid gets caught and I hope that he goes to jail and gets sodomized, okay? Let me just make it very clear that it is wrong. But I can understand the frustration, shouldn't shoot him, but I, I'm just telling you, I certainly can understand the frustration. You can't do that, man. You know, nowadays you can't even, I see all these political bumper stickers and I laugh at them all the time. I, I love political bumper stickers. I love looking at them. I love reading them. I love uh, the political shirts and, and all this other stuff. And it's all great, except the, the one thing is, is if I owned a car, if I had the ability to drive and I owned a car, the last thing I would ever do is put a bumper sticker on it. Because I'm telling you right now, if you put a bumper sticker on your car, you're just encouraging someone to key it, to shoot it, to 
somehow have some type of aggravation with you and engage in some sort of a road rage session or a rage session at a parking lot or anywhere else, you are just really asking for trouble if you start slapping bumper stickers on your car. And I don't even care what the bumper sticker says. I don't care if it says free love or peace and love or or uh, I don't care what it is. You put a bumper sticker on your car, okay, and if it's like pro Obama, your 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 car is probably going to get shot. If it's pro Republican or Tea Party or Green Party or Libertarian or Conservative or Liberal or whatever anarchist, you are going to something bad is going to happen to you sooner or later. And I see some guys that have their their cars or trucks; they're all covered with like you know Obama stuff or you know change or yes we can see si, Pueda, all this other stuff or, or they have republican stuff or mccain or whatever palin whatever they have all this stuff on their car and it just makes you go wow that is someone that's either incredibly brave incredibly stupid or incredibly naive either way i wouldn't want to be anywhere near their car when the shooting breaks out or when someone decides to take a, a can of spray paint to their car or key their car I wouldn't want to be near there. That's for damn sure. It's insane. People with their political bumper stickers and all this stuff, I would never pull it. And I know people are going to say, well, Mike, it's their right. And, you know, they shouldn't have to do it and be fear of reprisal. And I agree. I don't think it's right for anyone to vandalize somebody else's car, regardless of what bumper sticker they have, unless it's a Nambla bumper sticker. If you've got Nambla stuff on your car, then I think that it should be well within the confines of the law to go and key it. I have no problem with that. Somebody has Nambla stuff, Nambla, Nambla paraphernalia on their car. I don't just believe that they should be uh, keyed. I believe that they, they should actually just probably be arrested and their car impounded. But otherwise, I really, I don't, I, I understand fundamentally speaking, even if it is Nambla, you have a right to put anything on your car. I'm just saying you probably shouldn't. It's one of those things that just because you have a right to do it doesn't mean you should do it because you're just begging. You're begging for trouble. You're saying, all right, here's my car. Just wait for me to leave it. Or you don't even wait for me to leave it. Shoot it now or spray it now or do whatever. Vandalize my vehicle in some way. That's what you're saying when you have that kind of crap up there. <laughs> Can you imagine? I did. I, I, several years ago, uh, back when um, in the 2004 election, Bush versus Kerry, I saw a guy's car that was covered in like Bush Cheney 04 kind of stuff. And I said, and it's, it's, it looked like a brand new car. And first of all, I don't get why you'd put a bumper sticker on a car anyway. It ruins the paint job. It's ne they're never easy to get off. Uh, it, so it, it's a really bad idea why somebody does that. It's like a hot chick getting a tattoo. It's basically impossible to remove it. Putting a bumper sticker on your car, it's just not a good idea. But then to put like 70 bumper stickers on your car, Bush Cheney, you know how polarizing that was. I'm surprised one of those nut job carry people or somebody in the libertarian or green side or just some whack job just didn't decide to come along and go, oh yeah, I'll show you what I think you're Bush carry. And you know, I don't know, maybe somebody did. Now, I know people are going to say, well, Mike, it's really sad in this country when we can't even put our own political views on our property without fear of reprisal. 
when we can't even have a sign in our front yard without having to worry about someone throwing a flaming bag of crap at it or whatever, without someone having to light our house on fire or, or throw gas at it or shoot at it or something like that. It's really sad when that's the state that it comes down to. I'm saying you have every right to do it. I just wouldn't do it personally. It's like you have every right to keep your front door open at night too. But when you wake up in the morning, don't expect all your crap to be there. You know, sometimes you just have to be smart about it. Just because you can do it doesn't mean it's a good idea for you to do it. You know, I mean, you could uh, you could walk around with a big old poster board uh, on you that has the N-word on it. You can walk through Harlem doing that. You know, you have the right to do it, but guess what? You probably shouldn't. Just telling you, it's not a good idea. It's not a good precedent. Uh, wow. Kids will be kids, I guess. But uh, there, there's a word to the wise. Don't egg somebody's car. Don't egg somebody's house. Don't throw eggs and don't put bumper stickers on your car. You know what? Just keep to yourself and don't bother other people because we just live in a society that's not favorable for any kind of shenanigans. Someone will liable to come along and shoot you. They'll, they'll do it. People are just crazy enough to do that around here. All right. That's it. That's another edition of the show in the books. Thank you so much for checking us out. Email address for the program, mike at kmgx.com. Once again, that's mike at kmgx.com. That is also our PayPal address for this show. So you can make your monetary contributions. That means money. You can send us money via PayPal. Again, PayPal means money, means donations for us. I think I got the point across. Mike at KMGX.com, our email address over there. AOL Instant Messenger, available to you 24-7-365. Our screen name on AIM is Michael Groff Show. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet IRC, if you have an internet relay chat, you can always join us over there, the channel net radio, and of course, all of that contact information and more is available at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. I will emphasize that one more time. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Now, michaelgroff.com, the place to go for all that. All right, that's it. Uh, see you next time. Uh, tomorrow, the big election, we'll probably have a breakdown of that uh, well, I guess tomorrow most of that will be sorted out, although some of these races look like they might be too close to call. Uh, in Colorado, we have a race too close to call, probably. Looks like maybe in um, all over the place, man. Nevada. Senate and gubernatorial elections. Too close to call at this point, but it all, it, it should mostly be sorted out tomorrow. All right. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you so much for checking us out. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Grove Show. Have a great night, everybody. Hey.